Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, Chris Evans here with this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, we chat to the cast of the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, including Daniel Craig himself and his co-stars Leia Seydoux, Ben Wishaw and Lashana Lynch. Plus the hilarious Jimmy Carr discussing his brilliant new memoir and self-help manual, Before and Laughter. And punk rock icon Billy Idol shares all about his first brand new music in seven years, the Roadside EP. All of that and so much more to come. Let's get right to it, shall we? Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. Daniel and Leia, hello, good morning. Um, Here we are in Daniel's last knockings as his job as James Bond. Daniel, how do you feel? After the last one, I thought that was it. I thought I can't do any more of these and I got a bit of a rest and, and we kind of talked about what we wanted to do with this last movie and how big we wanted to go and, and it felt right. And um, I just got, um, I got really excited about it and, and, and I'm, you know, I, I, I can't wait for people to see it. Well, I can't wait to see it. Now, Leia, I haven't seen it. Um, I'm presuming you two have, but I don't know for sure. Um, what can you tell us about it that I don't already know? I think that this time uh, it will be even more emotional and um, people will be surprised. I don't want to reveal too much. (laughs) Well, you can reveal a bit more. (laughs) But I mean, you will see what you will see. I mean, it's just uh, exciting because it feels new. Like it's Bond shows like a new side of himself, maybe more vulnerable. Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. The one that works. So, Daniel, when did you get to see it? Where was it? Who was with you? I saw a rough cut of it about a month after we finished. Uh, which is really rough because it's got you know there's no special effects or anything and um, you kind of you hope when you see that version of it that it makes you just hope and pray that it makes sense and it did you know once once you get the effects and you get um, the music uh, Hans Zimmer's done the music and it's just well, it's incredible the story holds together we've got a bunch of uh, we, you know a lot of clearly the the the, the, the regular crew uh, Leia came back we have Rami and Anna de Armas and it, 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 everyone's just turning in a um, brilliant performances and it's um, I, I think it's quite special but it's odd enough with a movie when when you finished it and you kind of 
put it out and you kind of go, I hope it's, I hope it's good. But when there's a two year gap between finishing it and, and putting it out, it's, it just makes things even stranger. Well, we're about to find out what the world thinks about it, aren't we? Which is really exciting. So can you now tell us what was the first official phone call that had any sort of concrete aspect to it to do with James Bond and you? Uh, what happened in that phone call all those years ago? And who did you tell first? Well, I couldn't tell anybody. It's a simple answer. I was in um, Baltimore doing a movie and uh, um, I was in Whole Foods doing my weekly shop, wandering around with a, a trolley with food in it. And the phone went and Barbara was on the phone, Barbara Broccoli, and she just went, over to you, kiddo. Um, so I got my trolley and I sort of pushed it quietly down an aisle, walked into the booze section and bought a bottle of vodka and a bottle of vermouth a glass and a shaker and took it home and drank it and then went out and sat in a bar on my own and drank about three more vodka martinis. <laughs> it's really sad actually if you think about it. But I must have had a sort of like look on my face because the barman kept on asking me what was going on and I said, I can't tell you. Six years ago, obviously, Spectre wrapped and it was out and the world fell in love with it and fell in love with you. Um, how's your Bond experience been? It's been uh, really amazing. I feel very, very lucky. Spectre was a very long shoot. We shot for uh, eight months. I mean, it, it was really, I was so happy, you know, every morning I was waking up very excited to be on a film like that because, I mean, it's James Bond, it's so... Um, historical, you know, iconic. Really, um, yeah, I can't really believe I've, I've, I've done two. Name? Bond. James Bond. So you're not dead? Hello, Q, I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose. Control. What's the best thing you've stolen from the set? I, 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 they're really boring. I mean, everybody thinks it's going to be something interesting, but I steal shoes. But I steal shoes anyway. That's just a secret. You know, <laughs> Hamish from Wharfdale says, I'd like to know from Daniel if there are any specific things that Ian Fleming wrote about Bond in the books that you latched onto forming his version of the character. Because it has been said, hasn't it, loads of times that your um, portrayal of Bond is, is the most true to the books. The drink and the drugs. <laughs> In a way, I mean, that kind of dark side that's in the books, which is, is a bit, because he does go to, he goes to Q or to goes to the quartermaster and gets his sort of like daily ration of rum. It's just like his daily ration of uppers. Uh, it's stuff like that that's in the book that's very dark and sort of like, and I, and, and, and I, 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 I can't think of anything too specific, but the drink definitely. A Russian journalist a few years ago gave me a chart of all the bonds and what they drink. And I'm way at the top. <laughs> I thought, yeah, excellent. I've, I've kind of, I've succeeded. James Bond. Licensed to kill. History of violence. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone. 
History isn't kind to men who play God. There's a great clip of you online, Daniel. You know, you give this little spontaneous uh, thank you speech. Just tell us about that moment. Did you think it was going to happen? Was it something that happened off the cuff? How did you feel about that? It was my last night on Bond, uh, or, or at least on uh, um, uh, shooting. Um, and it was a night shoot on back lot at Pinewood, which was sort of kind of fitting because it was raining. I, 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 I sort of wanted to sort of say something. We hadn't planned anything. Uh, and then everybody turned up and I was just sort of blown away that kind of everybody, all the heads of the department came down and and I was blown away. And I, I, I mean, I hate making speeches. I'm just terrible at it. I, it was just heartfelt. It just came out and I, I meant every, every word I said and just, you know, just how fortunate I've been just to have had the opportunity to, you know, even be near this in a way. Um, they don't get made very often, these things. And to have the chance to be in, you know, even close to it has been just amazing. So um, I didn't want to choke up. I wanted to be stoic and failed miserably. A lot of people here worked on five pictures with me. And I know there's a lot of things said about what I think about these films and all of those, whatever, but I've loved every single second of these movies and especially this one because I've got up every morning and I've had the chance to work with you guys and that has been one of the greatest honors of my life. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, we're going to crack on with our Bond guests right now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to talk to Ben and Lashana. Lashana is brand new in the Bond fold and she plays Nomi, a brand new MI6 agent. And apparently she may well steal the film is what I'm hearing. They're the whispers, the very loud whispers. I'm hearing maybe a red hang, but I don't think it is. And Ben Wishaw reprising his role as um, a fantastic Q. Uh, and he told me more about the film than anybody else uh, has so far about what goes on in as far as his character and Daniel's character, James Bond, are concerned together. But has anybody seen the film? Has anybody in the film actually seen the film yet? First question I asked to Lashana. I saw it the top of last year and it was still very much in the edit still green screen still stunts stunts in there yeah um but it was amazing it was amazing i loved it so the fact that that yeah they hadn't finished yet and i was so taken by it it's quite it's quite impressive did you see it on a big screen lashana i saw it in the editing suite so it's a yeah medium size yeah biggest screen screen. and it was fab what about you ben I haven't seen it at all. I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen anything more than the trailer. You'll be both seeing it, you know, uh, in its, all its glory for the first time. As will Daniel have just found out, and also Leia. So you know, I'm not going to be nervous. I'm just going to be excited. Are you two going to have a, a, a mixture of a bit of both, a whole concoction of, of varied emotions off the scale? Yeah, I think so. Premieres are intense anyway, just in general. So I think. The fact that it's at the Royal Albert Hall, we're all there, friends and family are there, it's all a massive moment. But when you sit down, I'd like to think that I'm probably just going to hold all my friends' hands and go, we're in this together. Like, nice. <laughs> you yeah. know, just really celebrate it together instead of it just being about the cast, because it really isn't yeah. just about us. There's so many people that contribute to making these movies. So, um, 
Yeah, I think it will be a shared moment, don't you yeah. think? Yeah. I'm thinking for you, like, it's probably good you've seen a little bit of something. That's true. Because <laughs> otherwise I think it would be overwhelming, no? Yeah. Like, to see yourself on that screen at the Royal Albert Hall in this role. Yeah. Literally. For the first time would yeah. be, I would probably pass out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. a bit intense. I think my eyeballs would probably fall out. Yeah. Some will be like, just squeeze them back in, it'll be fine. You're fine, you've done a great job. It's going to be amazing. Um, now, I know you can't really let any of the cat out of the bag to do with the movie itself. Cause, a, because you haven't seen it. B, obviously you're both very much in it. But can you, what about the odd whisker? Um, ben, what does, can you tell us, allude to anything that Q gets up to in No Time to Die? Well... No. Um, <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> well, he 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 gets um, pulled back into working with with Bond again um, when Bond is apparently retired. So um, it's it's all a bit underhand, and M doesn't know about it. And some of the scenes, well, one of the scenes between Bond and Q happens. At Q's flat. So that's quite exciting. We get to see a little bit of um, some of the characters' private lives. Um, and the whole thing, I think, the whole film is quite, uh, has something more personal about it. Mm. As a, uh, um, the character of Bond more is at risk personally, perhaps, I could say. Ben, that's the most anybody's told us about Ooh. this movie. Thank you, Ben Whishaw. <laughs> oh, really? That was awesome. It's really going to make sense when you see yeah, it, it too. It will make sense when you see Ooh, it. Oh, that was really good. Right, now let's talk about Lashana. You, yourself, Lashana. Where'd you come from? Who are you? Where, you've exp you're about to explode onto to the world platform. You're going to become more famous than uh, maybe even uh, ever dreamt of being, if that was a thing for you. Uh, t tell us a bit about yourself, Lashana. <laughs> well, I was born and bred. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on, seriously. Truly, I'm from Shepherd's Bush, West London. Very proud to be. <laughs> yeah. And then I want to say nothing happened. And then I auditioned for Bond. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I've got, I, one thing to mention, actually, is that I've, I've come from the theatre and um, I did a play at the Royal Court that Barbara Broccoli produced, just happened to, and um, that's how she learned of who I was and that's when the tapes rolled in and I started meeting with her, etc., um, for, for a role that I had no clue about and actually I didn't even know for sure if it was a Bond movie. Um, <laughs> so that was exciting, but obviously I, I knew it would be eventually. But um, I, I did a series of auditions and, and this worked out and it's been the most incredible ride ever to be a part of this and to meet everyone and work with all of you guys and really add something pretty special to this franchise and hopefully to cinema history. Um, and yeah, I'd like to think that she's going she's gonna to go down as one of the... Bond women in this franchise that, that packed a punch and really gave Bond a run for his money. Yeah, that's so well put. <laughs> no, that's very cool. I mean, your character, MI6 Agent Nomi, um, it's, been, it's been said, and I know it's true, uh, that you uh, discussed... Uh, your character with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She, of course, the genius behind Fleabag. Um, we had Phoebe on the show, uh, it seems like a couple of years ago, probably was a couple of years ago, now, talking about she was actually working on the Bond script at the time, which was she was very, very excited about. And is it true that you and Phoebe described how you'd like the character to be and you went first and she said, completely agree, just let's do that. Is it, was it that simple? 
Kind of, yeah. I want to say we met for about, it felt like 45 minutes to an hour initially. And I'm, I'm very straight talking. So I was like, Phoebs, this is what I think it should be. I think she should be bold, very fierce, a little bit awkward. I wanted to be a real woman. I wanted to be a real Londoner. I wanted to represent all women, but also not feel like she has a responsibility to. And I wanted to pack a punch. What'd you think? And she was like, quite literally, yep. that was what I was thinking. Um, let's maybe add some more things, because I was thinking about this, this, and this. And I was like, that's literally in line with, with what I thought. And we were just on the same page. It was wonderful, because you don't often get that experience to even sit down with the writer, let alone her being a woman and her being able to relate to you and being on the same page as you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. It's a very simple rule. If our next guest is on the telly, it's going to be funny. His new book, Before and Laughter, is out now, so please welcome a man whose comedy will change your mood and whose new book might just change your life. It's the one and only Jimmy Carr! Morning, Jimmy! I mean, that's an introduction. I know! How how does that voice come out of that man? Take him on tour with you. Go on! It's extraordinary. You can have him. I I don't want that on the sat nav. It's a great voice, man. For the right price. Oh. Jimmy, this book, it's a cracker. Uh, Jimmy Carr, Before and Laughter, a life-changing book. How would you describe it? Uh, it's it's like it's kind of a mix of uh, of an autobiography, straight showbiz autobiography, lots of name-droppy stories that you would expect, and also half a self-help book. I have this thing when I read people's biographies where I go, oh, this guy talks about himself a lot. <laughs> this guy's obsessed, he never stops, he goes on. So I thought I'd make it half about the reader and half about me and the stuff that helped me. Well, I totally get it. Some people have struggled with it, haven't they? Some reviews have said, what is this? Well, and that's because they were expecting something else. An expectation can be the killer of many, many things. I think that's the secret to life right there. I think that's the secret of happiness. I think happiness is lowering your expectations sometimes. Oh, the reason New Year's and birthdays yeah. are kind of tough is because you think it's going to be the best night ever and then it's, nah. Well, I think goals are fine, but expectations are, are pretty much useless, to be honest. Yeah, they, um, they, they don't help you. Yeah, they say that thing about need, isn't it? Um, you know, to be needy, um, what you don't really want in your life is you don't want to, to need things. Expectations, what's the other one? Uh, demands is the D. What's the other E? Expectations, uh, entitlement. Uh, these are the sort of, they're the opposite opposite of the four um, Stoke virtues. I love this. I love, it's, it's like life advice with Come a bit on. of brass music in the background. Well, this because, is upbeat. Because you've inspired me with your book, which is full of wisdom, but it is laced with these um, sucker punch jokes halfway through these pearls of wisdom, which you just don't expect. So <laughs> let's start at the beginning. Superpowers of the average comic. If I could have any superpower... I'd go for Cold War era Russia, says Jimmy. I'm going to argue there are five superpowers, though, that all comedians have. Things that we do better than you regular folk. Does that mean we're better than regular people? Yes, it does. <laughs> comedians <laughs> are standout human beings. We have so many superpowers, we should wear capes. But then you go on to say, but anybody can have these superpowers. Yeah, there's nothing special about I think I had a really kind of ordinary, boring... It's really nice to be on the show, partly because of the way my life's gone. The partly... I used to have a, a quite a boring commute where I would listen to your show on the radio yep. and I would think, wow, there's a fun party going on and I'm not at it. Yep. I'm doing quite a boring commute and I changed my life. And there's nothing special about me. I just believed certain things and through believing those things, I was able to kind of put a more interesting life together. Yeah, and you didn't start writing jokes until you were 25. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was in my mid-twenties. It wasn't like I was a kid and I always wanted to do this. I kind of changed everything. Kind of, I, I suppose a quarter-life crisis. 
a quarter life just I'm giving up my job I'm off I'm done with this I'm joining the circus and obviously you know it's worked out for me I guess when you look at it from the outside it seems obvious but at the time you're kind of jumping out to do you know tiny gigs above a pub somewhere and it's but it's exciting and it's your life it is your life. So what are these superpowers then? Tell us what superpowers you go out with as a comedian armed with, um, you know, under your invisible cape on a daily basis. Well, I guess, you know, comedians tend to be very good, very good communications. I mean, he said, struggling with the word communications. Good listeners. It's that thing. Pattern recognition is the key thing to life. And what comics do is pattern. Pattern recognition is really the reason humans, the whole of society is built on pattern recognition. You, and talk, you, talk, about, you talk about that, don't you? You talk about the science of comedy, but it's not dull. It's fascinating is what it is. You know, and what I love about what you said, well, I love the whole book, but what you say in the, the reason you grabbed me on page eight is because one of my heroes is a guy called Seth Godin. Do you know about Seth Godin? I don't know Seth Godin. Yeah, so Seth Godin's written over 130 books and he's this amazing blogger. He's in his 60s, if not 70s. He lives just outside New York and he's this kind of, he's the kind of guy who thinks about life like this. He's not dissimilar to yourself, Jimmy. He lives 40 minutes away from the centre of New York and the reason he lives 40 minutes away from the centre of New York is because lots of people um, um, call upon him or want, want something from him uh, and want to go and see him and he thinks that 40 minutes is just far enough away for opportunists not to be able to be bothered because they're opportunists you've got to love that I, you? I love it when it's got like when you see the method in the madness <sighs> so cool. I love that story about um, uh, it's, uh, the, uh, what's the band that has the, the brown M&M's I put it in the book like um, when you see the method ACDC. Uh, no, I think it was I think it was Bon Jovi back in the day, right? Had, and they used to insist on backstage having a, a brandy glass full of brown M and M's, yeah. only brown M and M's, and people thought it was madness and rock and roll excess and and being kind of you know divas. Yeah. And actually, what it was was that brown M and M's brandy glass was the last point in a two hundred point checklist of things for their rider. So if they turned up and there was brown M and M's, they would go for a nap. They would go for a sleep in the van because they knew the light and the sound would be great. It was their way of checking. <laughs> They'd read the list and got to the end of the list. Sometimes you only see the madness and you never see the reason. The thing you have in common with Seth Godin is the fact that he says... He gives these amazing tips. He, he writes a daily blog, and I encourage everybody to read it. He's never missed one in, in years and years and years. He's one of the first people to start writing blogs, and they're all unbelievably short and unbelievably profound, without question, these blogs. And he writes them daily, live on a daily basis, and posts them just after he's written them. But what he talks about is a lot is public speaking. And he says 99.9% .9 of all people who are paid, paid professionally to public speak, are rubbish at it, let alone the amateurs. And he says that only 0.01 are any good. And he says the most important important thing to do when speaking in public is remember your priority in fact it's the only goal of the whole event is to move people not inform them not impress this them is, this is move I mean, them i love this my uh, the quote in the book that i that i love is people never remember what you say they remember how you make them feel i often have that thing like after live shows where people come out and go oh it was hilarious i lasted for two hours oh you know people will say tell us a joke and they'll go i can't remember any but they remember how you made them feel yeah. when they come back. Jimmy Carr, before and after, a life-changing book out now. Cheers, Jimmy. Ta-da. Great to see you, man. Such a pleasure. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Okay, so we've heard from a bunch of sensational guests already, but still to come, super sub Sam Pingham chats to TikTok star Kanye McLeod about his new book, The Hebridean Baker. Paula Radcliffe and Steve Cram get us fired up for the London Marathon 2021. And legendary British inventor Sir James Dyson flicks through his brand new autobiography, Inventions A Life. All right, let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? From MTV megastar to bona fide rock and roll legend, our next guest has been there, done it, and his face is on the T-shirt. His latest single, Bitter Taste, from the brand new EP, The Roadside, is out now. He's been a busy boy, so please welcome a Billy that's anything but idle. It's Billy Idol! Good morning, Billy! How you doing there, Chris? Hi, everybody. How are you? Great, thank you. Doing doing fine. You look fantastic. Oh, well, that's great to hear. You know, so do you, man. So How does it feel being Billy Idol in the here and now? Well, it's rather fantastic. Uh, I've got uh, a record out. At the roadside, it's doing quite well, and uh, we're also playing next summer with the Go Go. So we're playing Wembley Arena and things. So it's all looking up. It's exciting, you know. BillyIdol.net. If you want to see Billy on tour with the Go Go's, tell us about you and the Go Go's. How did you guys hook up? Well, I've known them for years, really, way back from the early '80s. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, we yeah, one way or another, we've known each other for yeah, just forever. So, so it's kind of fantastic, and it's just a great, great bill, really. Okay, and they're great tours, great dates as well. Um, you have these arenas. We have Glasgow, Manchester, the SSE Hydro, the AO Arena, Manchester, Birmingham Resorts, World Arena, London, the SSE Arena in Wembley, Cardiff, the Motorpoint Arena, Leeds, First Direct Arena. And these are all June dates, Saturday 11th through to Tuesday, the 21st of June. What a laugh. Um, you're going to tear it up, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. How? What's a Billy Idol gig like nowadays? Well, so, funnily enough, it's still virtually the same. I mean, I'm virtually doing the same same stage act I've always done so uh, you know I've got the same band Steve Stevens and everything so yeah no it's not so different there was even screaming girls the other <laughs> the other night you know I couldn't believe they're 45 but they're screaming so I, it's okay I'm uh, enjoying it tell us about your health regime I know you've ridden the roller coaster of rock and roll and uh, so have um, a lot of us but tell us because you, you do look really really well I mean how do you look after yourself well I do think uh, being a singer you know I am this is the instrument you know so I do have to take care of it because you know also, I think to be a singer and everything, you have to be fit, you know, because, uh, yeah, you are the instrument. So I really do take care of myself and uh, I do Pilates and TRX and, you know, things that will you know, strengthen me inside and stuff. And uh, you can use all of it to power your voice. So it's it helps. It helps to be fit, you know, to it do does, this job. It does, doesn't it? And, you know, if you are tired or you are under the weather, the first thing to go is your voice. It's 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 your own sign to yourself that th- something needs to be attended to. That's right. That's, that's yeah. If the other guys... They can take out a screwdriver and, you know, they can, <laughs> you know, I can't do that. So you have to tune it up yourself. So, yeah, it's lot to, yeah, you have to think about that. All right, and living and uh, breathing in Los Angeles can go um, one of a few ways, of course. But if you do want a healthy lifestyle, it's not a terrible place to, to, to inhabit, is it? No, no, it's actually it's great for that because uh, so many other people are doing the same thing. And uh, so, yeah. I've enjoyed it. Tell us about how you became one of our great British exports. What happened? How did you take what you took over to America? And how long did it take for that to, to effervesce and to, to pop out of, uh, the, for, the G, for, for the Billy Idol genie to pop out of the lamp? Well, I actually had an American manager, Bill O'Coin. He managed Kiss and he'd, he'd worked in television. And so he knew the cable world and he knew in 1979, 1980, that MTV was around the corner and that, 
uh, I'd be perfect for it. So it was just a matter of really, once we were, we, you know, made some good songs, so it was a matter of just getting on MTV, really. Because we did have a bit of problem with the radio, the new artists, we, you know, because it was so such a lockout from the 70s. But then uh, MTV was a great platform and it just broke everything down. And next minute we were on the radio and boom, every just thing, everything just took off. So it was a lot to do with MTV as a, as a great platform. Billy, so many questions. Um, how did you get Kiss's manager to manage you, a relative <laughs> unknown? Yeah, I don't know, really. Uh, it was just, it was almost a joke thing that uh that we did we just uh, said to the record company what about below coin and funnily enough uh, he was looking for somebody yeah somebody new to manage and uh, yeah when he saw you was it love at first sight from a <laughs> business point of view well, i think he knew that there was this cable tv thing coming and so he's looking for people somebody could fit on it really and uh, somebody who's overtly visual yeah now that was me you know so I was, and the name idol was even more more for the 80s idol madonna prince than 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 it was punk in a way you know it sort of it wasn't nasty and vicious you know so funnily enough it was more 80s so uh, i don't know a lot of it was just luck pure luck really i just happened to be in the right place at the right time and uh, well let's fast forward to the here and the now um how did this ep come about what's been going on for the last five years um how were you under or over or in between lockdown uh, give us some more color to do with more recent times well that was it uh, we, we were writing the ep kind of may 2020 may june 2020 so the pandemic was fairly new so i could see all the kind of confusion and problems that were going on and the pain some people were going through and uh, so i but i thought it's a bit soon to try and write a pandemic songs but i thought what could i write about that would be something people could identify with and i thought about well i went through a painful horrible motorcycle accident where uh, you know i had many operations i didn't quite know what was going to happen to my future was i going to keep my leg was i not going to keep my leg so i thought maybe if i write about that that would give me, uh, you know, something that people could kind of identify as going through a rough time, but coming through it, really, coming, you know, able to say you came through, you know. Yeah, OK. And what do you, how do you want, if you think about this at all, it may be a redundant question, I apologise if it is. How do you think about the next five, ten years f from, um, from a life point of view slash career point of view, or are they as one? I'm hoping that, you know, the thing is with, we're uh, Steve Stevens as a guitar player is getting better and I think if we make, carry on making this quality of music we're making I think we you know you can carry on and, and enjoy it really so uh, yeah as long as you really you know this it's great playing the classic stuff but we do need the lifeblood of some new music and I think we've got that got this with this EP we've worked with some really great people a kind of you know collaborators some great songwriters and uh, producers as I think it's, it's come out really well so it took a bit of time to find these people and get this kind of combination right but I think we've done it so uh, <laughs> that's, that's the gig it's great to meet you you've got a lovely aura about you oh cheers well I hope so I'm excited you, you know? can tell you're excited you're really sparkly eyed you're really glad to be here uh, thanks so much um, Billy Idol tickets available now for this brand new tour next year with the Go-Go's in the first half towards the middle of June in the UK not many dates arenas uh, get online now billyidol.net on sale from 9 o'clock today uh, we just had one text from a lady who's bought tickets for three events uh, three different venues so you need to get involved in that as soon as you can when are you back off to the States when are you back home yeah we're just here for a flying visit I'm going to go see my sister tomorrow and stuff so uh, I've got one day to do that but, uh, <laughs> but yeah but I'll be back next summer All yeah right, mate. well it's great to see you 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. There's a strong chance that one of our next guest products is in your house right now, and he's here to explain exactly how that happened. His autobiography, Invention A Life, is out now, so please welcome friend of innovation, an enemy of dust. It's Dyson, James Dyson. Good morning, Sir James. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing, my friend? Fine, thank you. Fine, fine. I'm the enemy of dust, exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> Ah. That's a great introduction. <laughs> yeah, he's good at those. Uh, so, yeah. James, um, let's have a bit of uh, topical uh, context, shall we? Last night I saw the brand-new James Bond film with um, Q, obviously. You're like a real-life Q. Please tell me you were, you were a fan of the prof- professorial inventive genius in the Bond franchise. Very much so, yeah. I'm all in favour of his ga- gadgets. They're, they're great. And great, great of Ian Fleming to think of them. Actually, I did meet the original Q once on the Esther Ranson show. <laughs> how did it go as an exchange? Oh, it was great. No, we, had, we had a lovely talk about inventions and how much, he said how much he admired inventions. So it was a, it was a good, good call. But you do this for a living. Now, J- James, is it fair of me to say, you know, after being a fan of yours for ages, we had that mad dinner once at Checkers, I don't know if you remember that. Um, I remember that, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Um, and reading your book now and your fascinating life story. Is it, is it okay for me to say, you're not so much an inventor, you're an improver? Because Branson says this, he looks at services that need improving and he says, well, that could be better. And it's not dissimilar from you and creations. Well, the developing, yeah, yeah, you're quite right. Inventor is a funny um, name, but no, we really develop technology, which means we build you know, hundreds and hundreds of prototypes to make a new bit of technology work. It could be robotics, it could be vision systems, um, it could be new technology batteries. Uh, that's what we do. I, I wouldn't really call it improvement. It's 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 a breakthrough, to, rather than just a, an iterative improvement. Got it. That's, okay. what, we're, that's right. what we're after. I stand corrected. Um, but I, 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 the reason I say this because I, if you know, from what I hear fr- from you know what I've heard you talking about and from what I'm reading, is you look at the world and you think, well, that that situation could be better. Make, the world needs more of this. Um, how about a bit of that, you know? And, you know, when, when with, you were thinking about Q and Bond and the sort of uh, the fictional world of, of gadgets, you know, how, how close to, to, to what we see on the big screen would the dice, would the, the most gadgety um, uh, bit of the, the Dyson laboratory setup look like? Well, one interesting thing, our robot, for example, has a 360-degree camera, so it's filming in 360 degrees all the time and interpreting the image it's seeing. So it, which is rather what we do, except we're only 180 degrees, not 360 degrees as humans. And it's telling, it's knowing the distances from, from tables or chairs or sofas and doors, door frames and so on. So it's, it's navigating around just as we do, except it measures it accurately. And unlike you or I, it's no, it knows where it's been and it knows what it hasn't done. <laughs> so that's pretty, it's pretty James Bond stuff because it's, uh, it's, it's, although it doesn't look like a human, it's doing quite a lot that a human does. I would love them to give you a cameo in the next James Bond film. That would be amazing. That would be so cool. 
<laughs> Seriously. And now we can parachute into your book anywhere because it's all completely fascinating. So let's just have a bit of fun with this. It's, it's a lucky dip of gold. So uh, tell everybody listening, you know, about, about the fact you, you know, you now you, you are often cited as being fourth in the Sunday Times Rich List as a family. And I won't go into that because it's not my place to do so. But that is a fact. You, you, you sit on an amazingly successful business. Um, you, you know, you're all right for fish and chips probably for the rest of your life on a Friday as a treat with a decent bottle of red uh, but you it, you reached the age of 48 and you still had a mortgage so this is a true tale of of inspiration and the once again testament that there is no such thing as an overnight success well no I, I wanted to call the book a, a life failure a life of failure because that's really what it is um, you know so much of everything we do every day fails and it's overcoming that failure and learning from the failure that ultimately creates a breakthrough or, or something successful. And it's um, one of the problems in society is that we expect people to be instantly successful, instantly famous, instantly, and everything to work all the time, and always to give the correct answer at school. And what I've found in life is that an awful lot of everything you do fails. Um, but it doesn't matter. In fact, you learn more from failure than you do from success. And you learn it viscerally. So, you, you know, it really it hurts. <laughs> you really want to overcome it. And it's, it's also a life of never being satisfied. So immediately you've developed a new technology and designed a new product. You, you, you don't think, oh, that's wonderful. You, you know that you can do it better, so you're on to the next one. So it's a life of failure and dissatisfaction. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, uh, I think it's actually quite a healthy sort of existence because there's nothing worse than satisfaction and smugness. Okay, this book is out now. Apart from talking about your book today, uh, what, what else is in a tip, uh, on the typical day's uh, Wednesday agenda for Sir James Dyson? Oh, uh, going and, and meeting my engineers, uh, solving problems, reviewing what we're doing, coming up with tomorrow's products. I mean, you know, there's, there's so much to do here. Uh, that's why I'm still working at the age of 74. Harder than I've ever worked before, probably. All there's right. just so much, so many problems to solve. All uh, right. So it's really exciting. Well, James, great to talk to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your book. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. The training is done. The carbs are soon to be loaded and the excitement's through the roof. That's right. The starter pistol fires on the 41st London Marathon this Sunday. And here is the antidote to your maranoia at everyone's favourite running buddies. It's Paula Radcliffe and Steve Cram. Good morning, Paula. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Right, so you two are hiding in Windsor. How come? (laughs) Well, we're here, <clears throat> excuse me, we're here with um, with the elites, as you'd expect, Chris. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, the guys, a bit like last year when there was only an elite race, they have their own hotel bubble, if you like, set up, which is to make everybody safe. Uh, everyone's flown in from different parts of the world, obviously. And I've been here since Tuesday night doing press conferences and interviews with some of the athletes. Paula came in last night, didn't you? Yeah. Because you're yeah. lazy. So, yeah, I came, I came in last night and then I've done my testing already once today and one more to go. And so, Paula, what's the vibe um, ahead of the race from an elite point of view? Um, I imagine extremely excited. I think like everybody, the fact that the, the London Marathon is taking part, place as it should do, 
on the iconic route and so many people able to, to get out there, take part either in the virtual race or out there on the streets of London. I think it's so much needed after everything that everyone's been through and everyone is excited just to get out and seize the opportunity, even if there's a few drops of rain. Yeah, and uh, Steve, tell us about the big guns that will be on show come Sunday morning. Uh, have you seen my big guns? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, no Elliot Kipchoge this year because everybody probably remembers he won the Olympics and it's a bit of a short gap from this, from the Olympics to October run London again. So no Elliot. But the guy who beat Elliot in the elite race last time, which was held around the lapped course, if you remember it, around St. James's Park, Shura Katata, he's back to defend his title. Um, he might have a bit, I think everyone's looking at another of his Kenyan counterparts, um, Evans Chibet. He would be the second man called Evans to win. There you go, Chris <laughs> Evans. Thought I'd throw that in for you because nice. there, there was another Kenyan called Evans Ruto won a good few years ago. Right. Anyway, so it would be the second Evans, okay. unless you decide to win it. Well. Um, and on the women's side, I think Bridget Koskai, world record holder, is probably a mild favourite, although she did run the Olympics and she was telling us yesterday she still feels as though she hasn't 100% recovered from that yet. But everyone will be looking at her. Charlie Perdue is leading the British Challenge in the women's race. I think Charlie actually just saw a few minutes ago. She's she's in great shape, really looking forward to her. She's, she's going to try and become the second fastest ever British woman. I can't remember who the no, British fastest woman is. Can you remember who it is? No, anyway, yeah. no it's yeah, gone. mind. <sighs> right, back to Paula. Um, <laughs> so, Paula, do you have any tips for people listening running the first marathon like our Rachel? Rachel, Paula, Paula, Rachel, um, like you gave me Hi, those Rachel. tips. Hi, Paula. Back in 2015. <laughs> they were so helpful, Paula. Thank you so much. Because you have also run the London Marathon for fun. I have. Well, I run it for fun every time. But I, I did go back and take part in the mass race in 2015 and absolutely loved every minute of it, even though my body was kind of a bit broken. And what my body wanted to finish, my mind wanted to carry on forever because the atmosphere in the mass race is so very special. And I think those last minute tips are just all about, as we talked about then, just making sure that you stay off your feet as much as possible, rest and recover. Put the carbs in there. Think about how it's going to go race morning. Um, get yourself prepared for those dips in the race and how you're going to get through them. Yeah, no, sound advice. Um, Steve-O, uh, I know you've, you're launching a new event and I'd love uh, you to talk about it now on the programme, if you don't mind. Oh, wow, yeah. Well, we're, um, we, it's the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, we're doing a, an ultra triathlon up in Kielder, which uh, I know you guys love. And that's going to be next summer in June. It's called the Northumbrian um, so it's a, a full ultra and a half ultra as well. We opened entries last week. We've had a lot of interest, which is brilliant. But anybody who's never been to Kielder and fancies taking Just on absorbing it. what everybody calls the ultimate challenge, I guess, then then go for it. It's uh, We're really looking forward to that next year. And by the way, good luck to everyone who's running the Kielder Marathon this weekend. Good. I, I couldn't split myself in two, uh, but all of my team and, and everyone, there's the two, 3,000 people going to be, um, I hope, not getting blown away. The wind's looking, um, it's looking a bit tricky this weekend, but uh, good luck to everyone at Kielder. And yes, check out the Northumbrian next summer because Vassos is coming to do it, he told me. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I, there good was a sl slight question mark about the bike bit of it. I thought I'd definitely swim and I'll definitely run, but I'll, I'll go on in fine. I'll do the bike well, we as have, well. Yeah, we have, we have a team event, Vassos. So you could rope Chris or, or maybe Rachel in and, and come as a threesome. But yeah, you can you can do that as well. But I, I know you, you're a tough man. You can do the whole thing. Come yeah, on. he wants to, he's just, look, he's like those reluctant singers at parties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And he, like, he'd, he'd sing straight away, you know, um, but then, then once he knows you're interested, he just, he likes us to beg. Um, okay, Vassos, here's the thing. You just, um, you do the swim. Rachel can do the run, I'll do the bike ride. 
done. You don't mean it. Like, in his face, he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it. He's like, I mean, I'm happy to do that as a, as a relay event, but you want to do it all? Of course you do. Of course I do. And it's it's absolutely, it is 10 so out of... So what was all that nonsense about there? Steve was sending me some photos. It is 10 out of 10 scenery up there. I yeah, just, it's, yeah. you know, every time the legs hurt, you just have to look up. Um, yeah. Right, uh, Paula, how's Steve been? Is he driving you mad? Uh, no, he's been really helpful this morning. I brought so you been, coffee. Yeah, he's brought me a cup of coffee. <laughs> no, it's fine so far. Uh, can't wait to see you two. I love you both. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for making you time. You too. Good uh, luck, everyone. Yeah, they're so busy and they always make time for us. That is Steve Cram and Paula Radcliffe. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. It's almost upon us and nobody knows about raising a ton of cash with a 26.2 mile dash like our next guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our Amsterdam marathon comrade. It's possibly the nicest man you ever could meet. It's Scott Mitchell. Morning, Scott. How you doing, my friend? Chris, how lovely to speak to you. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, how are you? I'm very well. I'm so excited about Sunday. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm full of paranoia. <laughs> But you've been there before. So, you know, exactly. Ra- Rachel's running her first ever marathon. And the great thing about Rachel's day is you never get to run your first ever marathon, let alone your first ever London marathon twice. So it's so special. You've been there before. What advice do you have for her, Scott? Oh, do you know what? I'd say try and enjoy it. It's a hard thing to say because, you know, it, we, we know it's going to be painful at some point, but it's also going to be the best day of your life. And I, and I still say that the London marathon was the best day of my life and I will still say that running is the best thing that ever happened to me, Chris. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, obviously, this is notwithstanding births, deaths and marriages. You just have to part those whenever you say this. But I agree with you. I think I think your first ever marathon is, you know, notwithstanding those very really important, um, um, you know, sort of uh, d- d- tacit days, this yeah. will be the most important day of your life. So, uh, reminder, Scott, um, who are you running for? Who are you running with? And, um, and what's your strategy? I tell you what, I'm, I'm running for uh, the Alzheimer's Research UK. Became an ambassador for them a couple of months ago, Chris, and um, very proud to be doing work for them. Just looking into, you know, we need a cure for this horrible, horrible disease. Uh, we, we've we've spoken about it a lot in the past, and you know, you've been very kind in in your support of it. And I'm running with Tanya Franks, who yeah. plays Rainy and EastEnders, who ran with us originally Tanya. in yeah. the London Marathon, and also, of course, part of Amsterdam. Now, you do, you do know, Chris, that this is your fault that I'm doing it. And b- before I go on to that, I, I just must say, also my brother-in-law, Lawrence Alexander, and nephew, Harry Alexander, are running with me, uh, just because they want to give me a bit of extra support this year, just just to get around the course and uh, obviously it's going to be a bit more emotional for me this year Yes, it is. Um, uh, just, bit, just, bit, just because uh, people might be tuning into this conversation halfway through. We heard you on the news. Just, just um, speak to that a little bit, if you don't mind, Scott. Yeah, of course, of course. The reason I, I got involved with running is because uh, my late wife, uh, Dame Barbara Windsor, a great friend of yours, Chris, and um, you know, everyone was under the impression that, that well, everyone knew that she was very poorly. The last time I ran the marathon, that's why we did it. And unfortunately, December last year, we lost her. Uh, I lost her. And, um, of course, that's been a really, really tough thing to adjust to after 27 years together. And, um, yeah, you know, I I get through, I've got to say, like running helped me when I was caring for her. Running has helped me kind of since then as well, getting them to focus to do this marathon. It's got me out there. It's been good for my head. 
it's been physically good for me to do something. I've had to drag myself out at times. You know, I've, I've actually found it quite hard. I've got to be honest. Um, it, I found this one quite hard this year. I don't know if it's because I'm two and a half years older. I don't know <laughs> if it's because it was a very tough year. I mean, everyone's had a tough year, yeah. which which I appreciate. And, it's probably um, the age. It's, it's and probably so the age, Scott. In, in my position as well, who lost people dear to them. Yeah. Um, which made, you know, which made the whole thing kind of obviously a, bit, a harder thing to get through. Um, but look, it, it, she had a wonderful life. We, we all know Barbara lived her life to the full. She wouldn't want me moping around. I do know that. And um, I'm getting on with it. I'm keeping her legacy going and the awareness. And if I can go back to, sorry, I'm jumping around here. I was asleep when, when a frothy coffee man called <laughs> My, my brother-in-law, Lawrence Alexander, who's running with me, he, seven years ago, had a tumour removed from his brain and two years ago had a knee replacement. And he wants to run the marathon with me and he's a very fit guy, which is quite unbelievable. So hats off to him and my nephew, Harry, um, who's one of those horrible fast people. You know, he did his half mm. marathon in 1.49 yeah, or something. It's oh, not about, God. It's not normal. Yeah, well, it's normal for you people, you see. But you got you got to think of the old folk like me. Um, see, Scott, I think I think you got so much hair, man. Right? Yeah. I think if you chopped a bit of hair off, you'd be the opposite of Samson. You'd, no, <laughs> no, that's not happening. You know, I know it's not, not happening. happening. But you see, if you chop some of your hair off, maybe I could have it. Yeah, well, um, listen, that'd for be you, nice. I would dip hair. Right, okay. Um, listen, Scott, it's great to talk to you again. Can't wait to see you on Sunday. Um, I'll see you. I will see you there. Chris, you are awesome. Can, yes. I, can I just say, um, is it okay if I just give our, our little link a plug? You never have to ask permission for anything. Off thank you go. Thank you, thank you so much. What we've done is, I mean, I'm honouring last year's money, which is your fault for convincing me to do another one. Um, but we've left the page open, which is justgiving.com forward slash Dame Barbara. If anyone would, you know, however small the donation, it would be really helpful. It's all for Alzheimer's research. And believe me, none of us want to face it. And uh, I, I tell you that from bitter experience. All right. Pal. Can't wait to see you, my friend. Can't wait to see you. To help perpetuate Barbara's legacy, you've got to keep those little legs of yours going. My little urns. I call them my little urns. <laughs> the little early wises. <laughs> all right, mate. See ya. Take care, Chris. Can't wait to see you. Literally can't wait to see you on Sunday. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's the beardy baking Viking from the Outer Hebrides that's taken the internet by storm. His new cookbook, The Hebridean Baker, is out now. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man whose magnificent beard is matched only by his magnificent kilt. It's Kanyoch <laughs> McLeod! <laughs> Well, there's a name for you, the Beardy Baking Viking. How do you feel about that? Falch, Sam, I am humbled by that introduction. Thank you, dude. <laughs> that was, but your name, your name is is Kanyok McLeod. Have I said that right? Kanyok, yeah. You're, Kanyok you're, it's as if you've lived in the Hebrides your whole life. <laughs> oh, <that> <laughs> uh, which actually uh, translates to handsome. Um, yeah, my mother wasn't to know. I think I must have been cute for like maybe uh, 10 minutes after I was born. It's kind of, it's gone downhill since oh, then. Oh, you're very cute. You're very cute. The, um, I was reading about you yesterday because I joined TikTok yesterday because of you. Oh wow! But because I, I, yeah, I'm very, very old, and I and I thought <laughs> I need to know more about this chap. So I joined, and then I got, I mean, totally lost in a TikTok hole of, of the algorithms. I, I mean, I'm wondering what you fell into. I'm at the moment in in an algorithm of 
women in America who upcycle furniture. That's my kind of uh, catnip uh, at the moment. So, well, that sounds like something I'll be very interested. In. I'm, I'm I'm stuck in men in America who dance. That's where I okay. am, okay. which is working for me. But who upcycle furniture? So yeah. the algorithm works in a way. I know I'm sounding very old, but the algorithm works in a way that the more something you watch, the more you watch. Yeah. So if you if you look at Scottish videos or baking videos, you might fall upon the Hebridean baker, and then hopefully never never leave again. Well, I didn't. <laughs> but what we need to do before we talk about your the explosion of your career on TikTok is we need to talk about where your life began because reading about your life before then, you were born and raised um, in. Am I saying this right? Cromore. Cromore. It's a wee village. Uh, it again. Um, it's it's the Gaelic for big cow. And we were always very proud because the next village is Krobik, which is Wiko. Right. So, <laughs> so you had the big one. <laughs> but then you moved away to study old Icelandic. Yes, I studied university. old Icelandic. One of those really handy degrees. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was say. And then you moved to Russia. Yes. Why did you move to Russia? Um, so uh, I, I cannot blame Annika Rice for this. Um, she, I remember watching a TV show about how she got into television. And it said she walked into a TV channel in Hong Kong, I think, and said she was a famous television presenter in Britain just to make some money and then the next day she was reading the news I don't know if that's a made up story or not wow. but I did the same I, I walked into uh, the Times in Moscow and said I was a journalist and the next day I was a sports editor of the Moscow Times you're kidding <laughs> I hope me. they're not listening to do that's so uh, cool I, I lived in Moscow near Moscow for a bit no way. it never occurred to me to do that <laughs> he wanted your job I went, to, I went to St Petersburg and said I'm an actor and the next day I was I was acting in the cherry orchard in Russian, Vishnyovi Sad. Hard so it does work. It does work. It really works. <laughs> it's just having the confidence to do it. Yeah, we bet. Yes. Yeah, so. And how much do you know about sport before you become a sports uh, editor? Yeah, no, I'm a big big uh, sportsman and actually that's sort of been my life since then uh, is working in sports. Sport, sport and baking are my two my two passions. That's incredible. And so then you left, how long were you in Moscow for? Uh, I was there for two and a half years. Okay. Um, and yeah, since then I've worked, I worked at Celtic Football Club. I worked for the Scottish national team and FIFA and UEFA and all these amazing adventures. So I am so lucky that I love my work and I love my kind of wee passion of baking as well. Before you moved into sport, you went to Australia for years, yeah. years didn't you? You went backpacking. Yes, I just aimlessly travelled around. Uh, no, nothing glamorous, just kind of, you know, sitting on beaches and serving coffees to handsome Australians. But that was good for a wee time <laughs> as well. Happy days. <laughs> and then eventually you moved back to the UK, uh, which is where you live now. Tell us yeah. about your life now. Uh, so uh, being from the Outer Hebrides, I think... Um, you always you always plan to move back. It's such a beautiful part uh, of the world. And a wee bit, um, I mean, the landscape and the people are, I would say, harsh and dramatic. I don't know if that's the people or the landscapes that, that have those. They are harsh and dramatic. You know, as in the, the landscapes, but as a result, yeah. the people, the maybe people just are. me. <laughs> right. Maybe just me, but it's a, it really is a beautiful place. And I'm very proud of where I'm from. And, where, and you live on an island yeah. that with, with your other half. Yes, Peter, yeah. To, to you and Peter, and there's, there's only two of you there, and you can only get to the island via canoe. <laughs> so we have a wee, we call it a hut, uh, like a cabin, if you want to make it sound uh, fancy. Um, and yeah, we kind of drop the car after the supermarket and get in the, get in the canoe and 15 minutes later we're in our wee, our wee cabins. So it seems completely normal, but uh, when we invite people, they always 
Got a wee bit of surprise. That's <laughs> the least. I've got to say, it's, for me, it sounds like bliss. <laughs> I, I, that's the kind of life. I mean, although I'm a very people person, the, the, the idea of being totally isolated with one person who I love, well, I mean, it's, it's incredibly romantic. Yeah, we're very lucky. Well, there is, there is three of us, technically, because we shot us the dog. Okay. Uh, it's very much part. And I think, to be fair, um, uh, talking about TikTok, I think most people watch my videos purely for Shortest. Uh, Shortest the dog. I just get in the way with my recipes. Uh, uh, Shortest is it Jack Russell? He is a Westie, a West Westie. Highland Terrier. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and you eat. I mean, you eat from, from the land much of the time. Yeah, Peter actually has a gardening show on BBC Oliver, which is the Gaelic channel in Scotland. So he makes amazing produce out of our garden. And then I bake it. So... I feel we're turning into. Do you remember? Um, do you remember the Good Life with Felicity Kendall of and Richard Pryor? Yeah. I kind of fear we might be. I don't know if I'm Felicity or not, but I think we're kind of turning into. Uh, we're turning into the Good Life unintentionally, but, but that's we do the enjoy dream, it. though, isn't it? Uh-huh. Everyone wants. Yeah. To, everyone wants to live the good life and and be Felicity Kendall. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it, re- it really sounds like you have an incredible, I mean, a wholesome, incredible. What's it like coming to London? I mean, it's surrounded by noise and cars. Well, and- it was. A wee bit intimidating yesterday, but to be fair, I unfortunately brought the Scottish weather you with did. me. You I really have, did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd bring. Um, I thought I'd come down for a few nice days, but it's yeah. For those of you not in London today, it is pouring down. <laughs> the Hebridean Baker is out now. That's the book, and you can of course find him on uh, on TikTok. Look for the Hebridean Baker. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. What it's been great. Absolute, what a pleasure. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.